you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. Each and every week here I bring you the podcast. And on today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Jimmy McCormick to uh, help me do so. For those of you who don't know Jimmy, Jimmy is part of the great team at ESPN, the four-letter network. It uh, doesn't get much higher up than uh, ESPN when you're climbing up the ranks and uh, doing fantasy football content. And uh, it's always my pleasure when I can get him aboard the podcast. So, uh, Jimmy, thanks for jumping on once more. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm just a a spreadsheet grunt, so don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think at the end of the day, uh, we all are spreadsheet grunts. A lot of us that play fantasy football on a basis, really, we kind of we get nerdy, we dive in deep, Sam, and we're all just trying to, at the end of the season, win ourselves a championship. So before we started talking, uh, we mentioned that it's hard to believe it's already week six. Uh, the NFL, usually at this stage, we have a, a firm idea of what's happening. And even as I set my lineups, you know, early this week, I'm thinking uh, a few of the a few of the things that I set them on, you have to set them in a spreadsheet format. You have to put in which week it is. And when you click on it, you're kind of thinking week four is missing here how come week four is missing and then you see oh it's already week six it's just it's been it's flying through jimmy it really is i mean look after this after this week we'll be 46 percent of the way into the season which is crazy so basically we're almost at at the half mark and yeah it just it feels like we just have less of a feel of, of what's happening with this nfl season which is kind of the the dream that was pete roselle's dream was uh kind of unpredictable parody yeah, and you mentioned something that I thought of a few days ago uh, for one of my Rotoviz podcasts, the Rotoviz Beat uh, podcast. I'll be talking tomorrow, previewing the Giants and the or the Jets and the Patriots this week. And I was just thinking when I was looking up and researching about the Jets that uh, the the Jets are you know kind of where we thought that the Giants would be, and the Giants are where we thought the Jets would be. We thought the Jets were heading straight for that number one overall pick, but with what happened to the Giants in uh, Week Five, Odell Beckham getting injured, Brandon Marshall out for the season after surgery, it just really uh, snowballed on them. They're down to five and zero, oh, so. Uh, maybe we got the uh, the New York teams back to front. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we, we switched them. And it's also just, you know, I, I think with the Giants, every year we think there's like going to be a reset like the in terms of like Eli is going to have this year. He, it's, it's easy to deem him as kind of a value. I understand that. But uh, it's been a downward trend for a couple of years now, right? And I guess I guess the, the McAdoo hairs cut and all that <laughs> stuff that people make fun of. In the end, I think it's just another example, like kind of dirt cutter in in Tampa, where I think it can be kind of a mistake to continue to hire, like to fire a coach and then hire an assistant. It just seems a little bit like kind of playing the same cards again. Yeah, they did dive into that. Uh, it was kind of one of those things where either he was going to move on or else they had to make him the head coach. So we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants in just a second. But uh, I got a, a tweet when I mentioned that uh, it's not looking good for the Giants. Uh, somebody tweeted back to me, it should be uh, Ben McAdoo now rather than Ben McAdoo because uh, <laughs> he's heading out of there. I can't remember who tweeted me, but thanks whoever. I got a nice little chuckle out of whoever sent that my way. Obviously, when we start the show, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and whether you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or on the OTI website, uh, make sure you do hit the subscribe button, come back each and every week to listen to the show. Um and obviously, I do like to plug it on each and every show too. We always have a promotion or two going on. But at the moment, with uh, NFL Shop Europe and their website is europe.nflshop.com. If you sign up and uh, you, or if you you don't have to sign up, if you go to their website and at checkout use the code OTI10 while checking out, you will save ten percent off your order on all items on the website. So they have some uh, nice sale items up there now as the seasons progress. And if you want to get yourself some merch, if you're doing some Christmas shopping, if you're really really prepared for that there season coming up in uh, a few months' time, uh, you. Use the code OTI10 at checkout, and that website is europe.nflshop.com. So 
Let's get into it. We talked about the Giants, and I'm going to get straight back to it. Odell Beckham has been diagnosed with a broken ankle. He has uh, ha- has had surgeries out for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, just looked like he was really starting to get back on track with those last two performances and we all know what Beckham can do when he's on the field he is pretty much the best wide receiver in the NFL and uh, he just it was devastating to see him as he went off the field uh, in tears and you know I've mentioned a kind of topic I've taken up the last few weeks Jim on the, the show has been people tweeting players who get injured and people making comments on social media about players who get injured i seen it with Ty Montgomery uh, you know a f- two weeks ago when he broke his ribs and people saying that you know he cost them their fantasy matchup because he sat out and now Beckham's going off the field in tears and people are saying like oh he's a diva and how come he's crying and then turns out he has a broken ankle and he has to have surgery and miss the rest of the season do you think people really just need to maybe it is just with social media people need to get a little bit of a a grasp on reality here oh of course but I mean uh, there's much more serious issues also that like are revealing who people are right I mean meaning I guess I mean I live in a country that's pretty fractured and uh uh, so, so I guess what I mean is like, I, as sad as this sounds, like this deterioration of civility has kind of been in place, and I, it, it's very possible. I'm not gonna say blame the political climate on what's happening, but I do think things are just a little bit more acerbic, a little bit more, you know, things are a little bit more acidic. Even it's just yeah. kind of it's an erosive culture, and I think people need to just realize like. The simplest kindergarten type things continue. Nobody would want anybody talking to them that way, but they're completely confident. And it's the anonymity of social media that creates these things. So, um, yeah, of course it's terrible, but I'm not sure we can do anything about it except just continue to, like, you know, do our best to, because we don't want fantasy to have that connotation, right? We don't yeah. want it to have this connotation where we feel that we have some ownership or some leverage over these players. Like, they're doing us the justice by going out there and risking their. But, you know, they're, they're, they're already like, you know, fulfilling way more than, than they owe us. So yeah. I r- really don't understand this idea that people feel they owe us anything. Yeah, I think it might become a, a little campaign that I have to keep going for the rest of the season. I, I can't see it getting anywhere, but uh, let's have some fun with it. But uh, Beckham was obviously carted off the field. They had already lost Sterling Shepard to injury. He is... Uh, said to be day-to-day, but now at this stage of the week, he hasn't practiced. It looks like he's going to be week-to-week. I mentioned Brenton Marshall at the start of the show. He had surgery. He's out for the rest of the season, and Dwayne Harris was injured at that stage too. And uh, rookie tight end uh, Evan Ingram, uh, who did not record a catch in the game, uh, was uh, injured early in it. So they're pretty much uh, decimated, and it's just looking like a completely lost season for uh, the Giants. Um, Obviously, Eli, you mentioned, is having a a tough season himself. Is there anybody in this uh, Giants offense you can trust? You can't really trust the run running backs pretty bare at wide receiver and uh, you know tight end you know it's a rookie that's on at the position so you can't really trust him either yeah I mean I think there's this obvious temptation when we see this void in market we see this like kind of open market like Eli is going to drop back and pass the ball obviously and this this team it's just so that that's not going to be eliminated but the question is how do we decipher who that will be I think it's one of these things where you know, maybe Roger Lewis, but it's it's going to be difficult. It's like not a very predictive situation, right? Like we don't like you just mentioned, we don't know. Is it Tavares King? Is it Travis Rudolph? Is it Ed Egan? I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> like, like is is Travis Rudolph like Kyle Rudolph's brother? I have no idea. Are these um, real people? Exactly. But and it's just, it's the nature of the NFL, right? I mean, these guys are getting pulled off practice squads and off the street. So it's obviously an incredibly bad situation. If anything, there might be some like a rogue DFS game where Shane Vereen catches 13 balls. But um, yeah, I don't think you can do anything on a week to week basis with any certainty. So only really deep leagues. Ingram is the guy, right? Who who might have some interest. And then once Shepard's healthy, whenever that might be, would be kind of the lone kind of two standing players that we can trust. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned there, um, 
with Verlin. I think there's an opportunity that he might get flooded with targets, but then those targets, I can't really see them going anywhere because there's nobody really going to be there to stretch the field uh, uh, vertically, so it's going to get him just bottled up as well, even if he does catch it. So it's just a real, real tough situation. Uh, the Chargers were obviously the, the opponents last week for the Giants. Melvin Garden was an absolute stud in it. He totaled 163 yards, caught two of Philip Rivers' three scoring passes. Keenan Allen, though, was held in check, just uh, caught four of 12 targets. So he's getting peppered with targets, as we expect, but just uh, didn't have a, a big day, as uh, maybe some would have thought. It's a, it's a tough uh, secondary to go up against the Giants, so uh, it was a slow week for Allen. And the, the Giants continue to just uh, get flooded by tight ends. Hunter Henry catching a touchdown in this one as well. So I think it's uh, kind of business as usual for uh, the the Chargers uh, obviously I'm starting to get used to calling them the LA Chargers but Garden uh, was a stud again as I mentioned and they've, they've continued to kind of you know it's, it's Keenan Allen gets Pepperwick targets Melvin Garden's getting to carry the ball getting the, the PPR work in the pass catching role Hunter Henry and Gates are kind of nearly almost alternate in weeks uh, of who's going to be the tight end to own so we kind of know what they are there and then as a, an NFL team they're going to be a team that continues to lose by kind of three to six points every week <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it, it's one of these teams. It is. It's a known quantity, um, and it's it's almost like you know it's it's a uh, it's a top heavy offense, right? Because like you mentioned, uh, Keenan Allen's the only player besides Antonio Brown to have at least nine targets in every game. So every week he's getting his. Um, last week, what was interesting? The ball was all over the place for Rivers, but you mentioned you know the 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 coverage was strong. But Ke- I think I don't know. I counted at least three end zone targets for Allen. They were all over the place, but still, I think. I actually think there might be a little bit more touchdown, like kind of correction for him coming, um, just because to quote like a Mike Clay thing, like you know the the expected touchdown rate is I think a little low for him. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, and Gordon's one of these guys who I think the numbers aren't entirely favorable. There's not many great instances of backs who've had 200 touches in consecutive years with his yards per carry. But I think he's the ultimate like you have to watch the game guy, right? Because he's excellent, and so his yards per carry aren't indicative of who he is so yeah these are all i think if anything there might even be a window for keenan allen at some point where he's a good buy yeah and uh, keenan allen's a player i i've always been a huge fan of his he's not the most athletic player he doesn't do a lot of things very well but he, the things he does well he does extremely well he's kind of like that he just you know has certain skill sets that he has just kind of perfected and uh you know anytime it goes on a any sort of a slant right or a crossing right you just expect him to catch it and pick up the yards then after the catch so philip rivers obviously loves him and he one thing he has a trouble with in this well two things two one of them being uh, getting injured and the other one is uh, not catching touchdown passes and i think as you mentioned there'll be an opportunity for him going forward in the season hopefully he can stay healthy for the whole year and if we're looking then at uh, moving on to the cardinals and they're kind of, it's, it's a merry-go-round, really, of uh, what's happening at the, the pass-catching core. It's really hard to trust anyone at this point in time. Like, it's just going around from week to week. Somebody else is having a big day. J.J. Nelson led the week this year or this week with uh, four catches for 80 yards. But, uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, 6 for 51. Unless you're in PPR leagues, it's it's tough trusting Larry. As much as you want to do, he had 10 targets, but it's it's been tough. So the Cardinals, uh, how are you trying to decipher what's going on there? And uh, then obviously at the running back position, I haven't even... I, I wrote these yeah. notes up on Tuesday. I'm just after thinking, talk about the running back position, and we have Adrian Peterson was uh, traded from the Saints. So I think I'll just add that in there at the end as a little note about the uh, Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, there was that 15-minute overlap where they had Chris Johnson, David Johnson, and Adrian Peterson. So if you had a time machine, you might be able to put that together and yeah. have like the the best backfield ever. But yeah, I you know if the if the Chargers are kind of this team that we, it's kind of like 
they're top-heavy in the same way, that Larry Fitzgerald's the only guy you can trust. Um, and each week you're going to be guessing, is it – J.J. Nelson seems like the odd man out right now, right? Because he, he lost his routes to, to uh, Jerome Brown and John Brown. But, I mean, I'm still on the John Brown hype train because – Because, listen, you know, it's one of these things where a lot of players have health and production concerns. And I really only have health concerns with him. Like, I trust that when this player's on the field and he's playing that he's going to be open and it's a matter of Carson getting him the ball – and Palmer still throws the ball deep. He's averaging nine yards, air yards a target. That's like fifth or sixth in the league, I think. And last year he was number two or three behind Winston. So he airs the ball out. It's obviously a, it's it's another one of these things where we're seeing the Tom Brady effect, meaning like we can't expect these older quarterbacks to age like he does. You know, like we expected running backs to come back from ACL injuries because of because of what Adrian Peterson did. These these guys are outliers. So what I'm saying is. Even in an eroding offense, I still think there's some value there with John Brown. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I've always loved John Brown as well. And obviously, the hamstring issues have kind of troubled him throughout his career. Then he had the sickle cell last year, he had the sister move him uh, back this offseason. So there's been a lot there off the field, but I think anytime he's on the field, he just looks dynamic. And uh, not last week, but the week before, he had a, a long touchdown that he almost caught. I thought you know on replay that it was going to be uh, called a touchdown but it didn't turn out to be that way but he is uh, a player just that has uh, you know amazing ability and I think that if uh, he can stay healthy he will be the guy behind Larry Fitzgerald too and I think if you have Fitz you're still going to start him week in week out you just can't really sit him out of your lineup he has the upside there he did have 10 targets this past week again so we'll see what happens with the Cardinals uh, touched on Adrian Peterson you know, there's a lot of people who are still buying into the name value of Adrian Peterson, but over the last two seasons, when he has been on the field, it just hasn't worked out for him. Uh, he's obviously going to get an opportunity here when he goes to the Cardinals, but are you buying into AP at all? Can you know? Can you see no. him getting that back in? No, and I, I'm, and I think we have this tendency to mock that idea. You know, like I, I almost just now wanted to mock it. To be honest, I wanted to be like, <laughs> "Oh, you're crazy," you know, like. But it's still obviously like we should revere what he's done in the league, and he's been amazing. But like, I think JJ Zacharyson had a tweet of some sort that was like, his last 17 games, he's averaging 2.7 yards per carry and has like five touchdowns or something. It's so, so, and obviously that's not in an in a role where he's been a feature back the whole time. But that's also kind of the point, right? Like. This is an offense where Andre Ellington, maybe that's a guy we didn't mention. Andre Ellington might be the Chris Thompson, you know, of that team. And so he he's almost clearly to me the second most valuable back on his own team right now still, just because that's a team that's going to pass 40 times a game and I don't see how he it's a touch it's the same narrative as it was last it's like he has to fall into touchdowns for us to get this and on an offense that's like so vertical, I don't know if they're going to have those kind of drives, you know, because his other what they want to do vertically in the passing game kind of counters what you know he's going to be able to do yeah, no, I agree 100% and you know you mentioned uh, getting Ellington and he has been getting those targets and that's pretty much the only reason that he has a kind of safe floor as a as a RB you know two or three you're trying to put him into that flex option and Adrian Peterson isn't going to be catching the ball uh, while he's in Arizona and I just it's another one of those ones where he didn't really fit in that sense offense for me and I think it's going to be a similar scenario here but we'll see how it shakes out you mentioned as well with Ellington he's somebody who his body is not going to hold up to trying to be a three down back so it actually might help him longevity throughout the season if he can get you know a split workload with Adrian Peterson so we'll see how it works out but 
Uh, I know a lot of people on Twitter that I've seen were kind of starting to get happy again with uh, owning AP, but he, he's not somebody that I own in any leagues, and he's not somebody that I, I would want to be buying into at this point of the season. A team that you know I think we should be buying into is the Philadelphia Eagles. They've looked very impressive. Carson Wentz has looked impressive, and he ended uh, this last week's game with a career-high four touchdowns along with 304 passing yards. It's his third 300 game uh, and five outings, so it's starting to trend uh, a nice way for him in the passing game, and uh, he's uh, had a you know a breakout hype in the offseason, but he, he's continued to do that he looks like he should be a, a starting quarterback each and every week now and fantasy moving forward as expected uh you know the cardinals um, were the opponents and i'm kind of running through these and based on the matchups last week patrick peterson did shadow alshon jeffrey and held him in check he had uh, three catches for 31 yards so we thought it would be a tough day for jeffrey owners and it was uh, nelson aguilar had a big day four for 93 and a touchdown uh tory smith three for 70 and a touchdown and Zach Ertz uh, continues without Rob Gronkowski being fit and healthy and playing at the moment. Uh, Ertz, in my opinion, is uh, the, the number one tight end to own in fantasy. He had six for 61 and a touchdown, and he's just getting peppered with targets by Wentz. Have you been surprised by how the Eagles have done? Have you been where you can expect it? Uh, where do you expect this to, to shake out for the rest of the season? You know, I'm an Eagles fan, so um, I watch this team a little bit closer than the others. And Wentz, you know, it, he's a pretty polarizing player, right? He, he's a player. Almost like he's built for Twitter because he has this like prodigious. Talk. He has all the kind of quarterback makings. Kind of walk into the room, that's a quarterback kind of thing. You know, six five two forty has it all. But he just there was no efficiency last year, and there was also built in excuses. Right, that the line was eroded. That he had no no nobody was getting separation. I think he averaged. 6.2 or something like 6.25 or something yards per drop back, uh, which is terrible. And it, I think the only guy worse among qualifying quarterbacks last year was Brock Osweiler. And now he's in like the same tier as like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. I'm not saying he's with those players at all. I'm just saying he's at least a statistical companion of those guys now in terms of this early start. And the most important thing is they're letting him throw the ball downfield, right? It's not, he's still not very accurate downfield, but. You know, he's ninth in the league in air yards. Uh, you know, he was 29th last year. So there's just a big – I think they're taking the shackles off a little bit of his game. And I think you know, he's, like, awesome outside of the pocket so far. He's got a 99 quarterback rating outside of the pocket. I think only Cam Newton over the last month has a higher one. He also has this thing that we don't talk about much with him is that, like, he has a kind of nice rushing floor. I mean, it's, it's only 20 yards a game right now, but that's because he had a couple, like – he had a couple no-show games, but – I think dating back to last year, it's like 30 or 28 yards a game, which doesn't seem like a big number. But yeah, like you said, it's half a touchdown almost. So it's helpful. And I think he's tied with uh, or he's only behind Newton and Deshaun Watson in first down rushes this year. So he's exciting. And Ertz is amazing. I mean, I think Ertz is only behind Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Fitzgerald and A.J. Green in market share of his offense. Maybe Jarvis Landry's ahead of him, but he's like six in market share. He's got 28 percent of the targets. And most importantly, None of it seems like fake, right? It's not like a really bad game script gave him 20 targets because that was the fear of him before. So, yeah, I'm all in on on those two. That's a great passing battery. The receivers, I don't know what you think. They're a little tougher for me to evaluate because Jeffrey, I don't know if he's going to get that target share requisite for him to break out, but he might just be kind of this high-variance player. Yeah, Jeffrey is getting, you know, prior to this past week, he, I think him and Ertz were pretty much neck and neck for targets uh, throughout the start right. of the season. So, you know, he is getting the targets. He did draw a tough matchup. He's going to draw the number one cornerbacks on each team. And, you know, we've seen Aguilar have, you know, two or three big games. And obviously, 
uh, that might be down to offenses or I'm sorry defenses uh, not trying to move his way a little bit and Jeffrey I've watched a lot of times if you get in inside the 20 you know and near the goal line he has been kind of double covered or bracket coverage so that's obviously going to hurt him as well but he has had opportunities this year two or three different times that I've noticed that uh, you know he's beaten his beaten the coverage he's you know straight heading towards the end zone and he's been overthrown by maybe two to three yards by Wentz and I think if they can get that little bit of a link up maybe get that timing a little bit better there's a few big big uh, scoring opportunities there for him so I'm interested to see if they can develop that throughout the season I think uh, as the season goes on Jeffrey it'll continue to be you know at least a wide receiver two if not a, uh, a kind of low-end wide receiver one all the all the abilities there uh, you know is, have you seen that I'm sorry to interrupt but have you seen that the Kevin Cole has an awesome index it's like kind of like unclaimed air yards or like you know and so it, it's just a way to say I know people can either overplay or underplay the air yards thing i think it's an awesome you know infusion just more information right but and it speaks to the value of a target we used to think of targets as this one-to-one ratio i mean when i started writing about fantasy football 10 years ago it was like oh a target like that's that's new to us as an opportunity rate but now we have a more specific opportunity rate and he's gotten like you said he's got an incredible amount of unclaimed or uncapitalized uh air yards and yeah, Wentz still struggles downfield, there's no doubt. He's only connecting 32% of his passes past 10 yards, but he's throwing a ton of them. So I'll take the trade off, and I do agree with you. I think there will be some kind of like crazy big weeks for Jeffrey. I think you just have to hold on. He's almost maybe more of a, a prime Deshaun Jackson right now in the sense that he's going to have some really big weeks and some really quiet weeks. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, last week was an exception. I think his quiet weeks will probably end up you know with a you know at least 50 yards and you know I think then his big weeks he could end up having like you know 120 yards and two touchdowns so we'll see how it goes but he's still somebody that I, I want on in fantasy uh, looking then to the Colts we're going to try and hit some AFC teams here as we move through because I know you're doing all the AFC projections for ESPN and uh, looking uh, Jacoby Brissett helped the team get their second one of the season and uh, you know it wasn't pretty at times but they, they got there and then but Jason Lackenforo was uh, saying it was highly doubtful that Andrew Luck would play a game this month month so we're only uh, 12 days into the month but it looks like he's going to miss basically the next three weeks without a game so it's uh, week nine is looking for the earliest return for him Colts wide receiver though T.Y. Hilton has done it pretty much uh, was able to produce uh, with Brissett he caught seven passes for 177 yards so a, ma- a massive massive day for him Frank Gore returned uh, with 96 yards uh, it's the best he's had for this season and then Marlon Mack had a, a big big game in this one uh, who ran for 91 yards and a touchdown and just nine touches so I think Mack is going to eat into that Frank Gore role I think as the season progresses he is likely to be the uh, number one back in this offense but uh, you know with that luck news uh, obviously you can trust T.Y. Hilton going forward but there is the possibility that the floor just absolutely falls out on uh, Jacoby Brissett but luck uh, you know week nine been talked about now it's uh, it's just not a, a good situation no not at all I mean um, I was on Chris, Chris Harris's podcast a couple of weeks ago and I asked the question just reasonably like when do you shut luck down I mean not even in the fantasy context obviously because we can't do you know but when do you when does a team yeah, who is in this poor falls apart yeah, yeah and if they're if they have two wins you know if they're two and two and uh, six or whatever that is if their bye is passed so it's it's kind of a tricky question I, I would continue to hold them of course because of you know right away you get what should be a QB1 but even then, right, there's still inherent risk. But I think what T.Y. Hilton's doing is pretty amazing because the splits over the last several years w- would suggest that he's like an, a wide receiver three without luck. And the fact that he's 15th in fantasy points and and per game, he just it's really exciting. But Max, the guy we should talk about because we all know about T.Y. Hilton. So 
you know, the thing with Mac is like, is it going to take an injury? I understand that he's going to etch into the work, but is it going to be one of these things where is he going to be like the Twitter darling? Is he going to like the, the free Mac kind of thing? Is there going to be a hashtag is my question. <laughs> there, there's a good possibility that will happen and it probably is happening in some circles already. But I think, you know, Gore, you know, he seems to just go on forever, but his body will break down as the season goes on. We kind of seen it with Matt Forte last season where he started out okay. Uh, even Gore this season, he had a, you know, he had 94 yards this past week, which is his uh, best week of the season, but it's not a, it's not a big, big uh, performance by any means. And I think if we kind of see on such a limited snap size that we see Mac continue to do this, I think it, it's going to have to, it's going to have to look. He just looks more dynamic, more explosive, and I right. Think and of course, yeah, of course, value is all floor, right? Like that's the whole idea. So if you take away hit what and what drove the floor was the fact that there was nobody else on the game, basically. Yeah, yeah, there was nobody else in the field with them. So that's a good point. It, I, I think Mac actually might serve to influence. Like your ability to like who I don't want to use Gore anyway, but it it's it could be one of these things where they kind of both serve to be like, you know, rendered useless almost, which is a shame. But I think it would take an injury to be honest for for Mac to be a, a guy you could really use. Yeah, and uh, their opponent last week was the Forty Niners. Uh, George Kettle, the rookie, uh, had a very very nice game. I was impressed watching it. Uh, he caught seven passes for eighty three yards and a touchdown. So he's uh, you know obviously they traded away Vance McDonald to the Steelers earlier in the off season and. Uh, you know, a lot of people were maybe caught off guard by that, but uh, as as a rookie, it's hard to produce as a tight end. But Kettle definitely in this offense seems to have something to offer at the moment. So uh, he's somebody I want to get your thoughts on. Then the other player I want to get your thoughts on is Carlos Hyde because uh, obviously he came into the game uh, with an injury. There was some doubts about his participation, but during the game uh, he stayed in the sideline quite a bit and you know Kyle Shanahan said after the game it was just a case they went with the hot hand and Matt Breda ran for 71 yards and 31 touches. So you know, how do you see this uh, splitting up the rest of the season, the, the backfield here? Because obviously the, the running back in Kyle Shanahan's offense, as we've seen uh, over the last uh, couple of stops he's had in the NFL, is a, is a valuable position to have in fantasy football. Oh, no, definitely is, right? And then so I have a friend who lives in the Bay and is like a lifelong 49ers fan. And he wants me to feel bad for him. But I'm like, you still had the 90s and 80s. So like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not hearing that. I'm an Eagles yeah, fan. So, yeah. But... Um, well, his his, and 10 years, the Patriots fans will probably be saying something like that as well. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not listening to that, guys. Um, no, but I guess the thing is, is that he was saying this could be one of those situations where, you know, real football uh, maintenance kind of gets in the way of what we want for fantasy. And I guess in some ways there could be a corollary to, like, Ty Montgomery, too, you know, where it's like, is there a point of too much work and does the team realize because a guy gets hurt, they scale it back? I'm not sure if that's the narrative, but that's kind of what he thinks that, you know, Shanahan's thinking it's not really as much of an issue of the hot hand or really even as much. They don't really actually think Brietta is on the same par with, with Hyde on a per touch basis, but they do believe that if, if they're dealing with a 70% Hyde, right? So, or a six or, you know, so it's about, I think Hyde's capacity to really be himself. So, he has had an issue with getting dinged up, but that's also because he has one of the toughest jobs in the world, which is running a football in the NFL. And um, I still think he's a he's a, a RB too. I just I think the the, the consolidation and the, and the buzz like from Evan Silva and a lot of the bigger names in the industry that were rightfully talking about like Mike Clay's a huge fan as well. Like the skill set that he has, he's a PFF darling too. Like force missed tackles, but I just fear like. You know, not that not that it's a fifty fifty split, but that it's enough of a split to distress you, and maybe it becomes the the Freeman Coleman split. Not comparing the talents, but that'd be frustrating because I don't know if Hyde is is, is Freeman, you know, and I don't know if he has his receiving upside. So I'm not out on Gore. I actually think it might be a, an okay time to buy him if everybody's panicked, but um, I think it might be 
I think it might be a situation where real football is kind of influencing what we can do with fantasy football. So, and and Kittle, I mean, um, I used to go to all these fantasy trade association events. Like they used to be like eight dudes in a in a in a ballroom in like Chicago, and now. <laughs> They're like a thousand people to speak to the growth of fantasy. But Cal Spears, who runs Roto Grinders, like he's a guy that used to run. He won the Millie Maker on Sunday. He won a million dollars on Sunday because of George Kittle. So um, George Kittle did him well. And I think I think another thing this week is the Redskins have given up the most yards per game to tight ends. So it could be another interesting game. And look, game script should be pass heavy, shouldn't it? For the 49ers down. What's that? That, that spreads 10 points. So, yeah, yeah it could be fun. It's going to, I think that's a game that uh, there could be a lot of fantasy points in this. It's a good chance for the Redskins coming off a bye to, to really get their season back on track. So we'll see what happens there. We haven't seen much of Terrell Pryor. Maybe we'll see him break out this week. Uh, going to, I think as well you said there was an opportunity to buy uh, Frank Gore. I think you meant Carlos Hyde. I did mean Carlos Hyde. I was thinking San Francisco. Don't buy Frank Gore. Yes, yeah, no. Just in case uh, people, we get tweets in two <laughs> or three weeks' time, you told me to buy Frank Gore, taking no responsibility for that. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to run through some things very quickly here. Uh, I have uh, AJ Green in a lot of my lineups, a lot of best ball uh, leagues and so on, and uh, catching that 77-yard uh, touchdown in the first quarter last week uh, pretty much made a, a perfect start to my Sunday. Uh, have you have you anything more to add about AJ Green and you know just uh, be happy you own him? He's. I think he's. Uh, I think he's a really nice guy for saying that the interceptions were were on him and not. Oh, they definitely were. <laughs> but the one was it. The one was like twelve feet high. Yeah. Well, so I, I think it's almost one of these things where it's like he sets a new bar for what somebody should do. You know. So it's like we expect greatness from great players. But yeah, there's no. And he's another one of these guys where another one of these offenses that's so top heavy. I have no idea who to trust. It's like after Ty Hilton, who do I trust? Nobody. After him. Who do I trust? I, I don't know. Can you trust anybody on that no. offense besides him? You can't trust anyone. And uh, actually, when we're on the Bengals, Tyler Eifert had uh, back surgery and he's out for the season. So it's just uh, a, a t- a tough there. So maybe Tyler Croft, if you're looking desperate at the tight end, you could throw him in there. But, you know, with the running back situation, Mixon's getting the, the bulk of the carries. He did get into the end zone this past week. Giovanni Bernard is the player then after Mixon that I think is going to get the workload. Uh, Jeremy Hill, I'm just all out on him. Never was and and never will be. And it's just uh, very, very tough to trust anyone outside AJ Green. So if you do own him, the targets are definitely going to continue to come his way. So uh, I'm just going to enjoy it while it moves on. And uh, I hinted at it a few times this season, but uh, do you think this is the beginning of the end for uh, Ben Roethlisberger? He had a five-interception performance against the Jaguars and uh, two pick-sixes on that. And after the game, kind of just sounded like... uh, Sounded kind of like he didn't really care all that much, but Ben has, uh, you know, we've always had the home road splits, but this season so far he's kind of kind of looked like garbage. Yeah, no, it's just it's just like there's there's no split that's favorable right now, right? Uh, and I guess in some ways, speaking to like kind of like the, you're saying about how like Wentz has overthrown, uh, uh, Al, you know, Alshon a number yeah. of times, like Martavis Bryant. Martavis has yeah. been open all season. I just yeah. want to make that clear, that's like that's for. Right. For people who are really upset about him, it it's okay. I understand he's been terrible, but it's honestly so much about the quality of his opportunities. Like you, you can't do anything if you're open and he's not getting it to you. So, I think in some ways, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, but in some ways, it's almost bad—not bad that Antonio Brown's there, but it's bad how I think they over rely on him game script wise. I mean, he's amazing. Don't get me wrong. You, you want to get him the ball in his hands as many times as possible, but if it comes at the expense of players who are open. I think that can be an issue. Um, it's also just, yeah, like it sounds like a cliche, but come on, when you discuss retirement, you're thinking about retirement. And I know, but it, on the human level, it's just like, you have to question like, what does he have left even in his body? Like, I'm going to go back to the Brady thing. We constantly think 
first of all, if you can think of two probably more different body types and diets, I'm just, I don't know what Ben Roethlisberry eats, but I'm going to guess it's <laughs> not avocado ice cream. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like he had a pint of Ben and Jerry's like after that, yeah. you know, after. So, yeah, it, it's scary, but I do think there's a correction coming because it's still too talented of an offense. I mean, last year they were like fifth or sixth in points per drive. And now they're 21st or 22nd. They're like down there. They're in like in the Minnesota range of offenses, which is like, you know, and Minnesota at least has a has a formula, you know. So, yeah, it's frustrating. But again, what can you do other than I actually again, I keep talking about buying, but I would actually go after Martavis Bryant because he's not going to cost you anything. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree on the Martavis Bryant one, and I think uh, I can't remember. I did a podcast last week. I think it was, and I can't remember which one it was. And uh, we talked about Martavis Bryant, and I think at that stage uh, he was catching less than thirty-three uh, percent of all passes thrown his way. And you know, he was, he's getting targeted, but there was one game where he had ten targets, you know, and uh, three catches. I think it was two. And they're, they're twenty yards downfield on average, right? So, so if he can catch them, and if it can work out, Le'Veon Bell the monster day ninety-nine or ninety-three yards. Uh, Russian or in total sorry and he caught 10 passes uh, in that game and then Antonio Brown you mentioned it's all going through him he had 19 targets so uh, it's just uh, it's getting a player that I'm interested to and we could probably buy into is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster the rookie he is getting uh, targeted as well and he's getting good usage uh, uh, Leonard Fournette had a monster game in this uh, 28 uh, rushes for 181 yards and a pair of touchdowns one of those was at the the last kind of play of the game where he i think it may have been like a 75 yard touchdown to finish it off but he's a player who's just getting a, a bulk opportunity and you know i haven't been all that impressed with what he's doing uh, so far this season but again the opportunities there you're going to have to take that uh, can't really trust anyone else in this offense and i think i read that they finished uh, the game with 11 uh, rush plays to, to seal that out I th- so i think it was is i think they had 18 straight rushes. oh i said 18 yeah maybe it was 18 so <laughs> it was it was something insane is the point and in the offseason the, the coaching staff did say that they wanted to rush the ball pretty much every play so maybe we should have bought into that and believed them <laughs> so, you, know, it's the, you know it's a rare situation where coach speak and agenda might actually have played out yeah actually they said something that was true uh, Deshaun Kaiser had a, a bad game and obviously was uh, you know replaced by Kevin Hogan uh, Hogan looked a lot better than him so it's uh, Hogan gets the start this coming week so looking through the Browns it's again hard to, to trust a lot of them uh, Duke Johnson continues to, to look pretty good and find the end zone and total 83 yards and uh, Crowell just uh, he had his best game in weeks but again 60 yards and 16 carries so the Browns are an offense that I thought there would still be value in this season. You know, you kind of try and find the bad offense and see who the value could be. But outside of Duke Johnson, there's nobody really startable for me in that offense. Cam Newton continues his comeback over the past two weeks. He is the top scoring fantasy quarterback. And uh, he's been just very, very impressive uh, and, and had three touchdowns, 355 yards against a Detroit defense who looked pretty good to start the season. Kelvin Benjamin caught a touchdown Devin Funches caught a touchdown Ed Dixon ran around the field like a madman with 175 yards that that's what Ed Dixon with 175 yards and that's more receiving yardage than he had in the entire of last season so uh, is Ed Dixon the, the new fantasy darling at tight end or are we just uh, leaving him alone I think that answers yeah I think, I think he's in that you know we're going to be chasing last year last week's points in some ways um you know, I could be wrong. Of course, anybody yeah, could be wrong. He, I think we're all we're all pretty much on the same boat here. It's uh... he's in that streaming tier with everybody else. Um, I think to to go back to the Browns really quick. Not like we want to talk about the Browns too much, but DFS or if you're desperate for like a flex receiver or something, like Ricardo Lewis actually is going to get. A, he's getting like thirty percent of Kevin Hogan's attention over that wildly big sample size of two quarters. So, but still, I think there is some kind of something interesting there. And uh, the Rams then, Jared Goff, uh, came back down to earth, as did the entire offense. Uh, 
Gurley managed just uh, 55 yards. He almost had a touchdown uh, just at the very first quarter of the game, but uh, that was taken back uh, and reversed. And Sammy Watkins had four targets, but uh, didn't record a catch. So it's worrying times for Sammy Watkins and his owners, a player that uh, no doubt has the potential, but uh, it's just not working out so far there for him in L.A. Um, then moving on, we're going to look here at Derek Carr, who missed last week's game, but Michael Crabtree. And Derek Carr, before we get on to Michael Crabtree, uh, Derek Carr expected to play this Sunday, but Michael Crabtree, 82 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Marshawn Lynch continues to uh, pretty much struggle. He had 43 yards and 12 carries, but he did have a short scoring touchdown. And then the other player who is really, really struggling at the moment, and it hurts me to see it each and every week, is Amari Cooper. He's turned into one of the, the fantasy busts of the season. and it's going to be hard even if he goes on to light things up for the rest of the season it's going to be hard to, to turn around this poor start he caught two targets for eight yards uh, can you trust Cooper this week uh, you know as we move forward here I'd say the Crabtree as well is there anyone that you can can you read we're talking about offenses here and we're we're struggling to trust a lot of players it's true and at some point you just have to you have to play somebody right like so it comes down to obviously alternatives but it's scary it's obviously scary I think the the, the thing I'm scared the most about with with, with uh with Cooper is it's not just when Manuel's in there, but the splits over the last three games, he's not getting used. You know, he's just not getting used. Like his his route, per, I think his target per route rate is. I'm looking it up right now. It's 14 percent over the last over the last three games. So what I mean by that is that like, you know, for example, like Michael Crabtree's getting a 37 percent target per rate routes route rate. So. He's just not being – it's almost one of these things where he's playing poorly and the team's not actually continuing to feed him the volume to come back. So that's what scares me is that – I don't know if he's going to – fifth in him almost. Yeah, it's almost like you know um, a power hitter who strikes out a lot. Like he's still going to get an at-bat, so you might get a homer. I'm not sure if, if he's going to get enough exposure. So again, so tempted. We all are so tempted to always say buy low on a star who's playing poorly. Um I think that's still the case, but at the same time, it's very scary, and you kind of just have to hold. And yeah, he's like a he's like a really risky flex now at yeah. that, at that uh, point. And, like, and it sounds you probably shouldn't even be in your lineup, but it's it's crazy to think uh, at the start of the season we'd be talking about him as you know struggling to put him into a flex position. So that is tough, and a lot of people would have took him late first round, early second round in their draft. So it just hasn't worked out so far. A player who had worked out for. This week, and I thought when he got hit to, uh, on Thursday Night Football two weeks ago by Danny Trevathan, we thought uh, Devante, Rod- or Devante Adams was going to be out for quite some time. But he saw tw- uh, 11 targets from Martin Rogers, caught seven of them for 66 yards and two touchdowns, including that game-winning touchdown. And uh, Aaron Jones had a very nice game as Ty Montgomery sat out 13 t- times. He rushed it for 125 yards and a touchdown. I was very, very impressed with uh, how Jones played this past week. But... Uh, first of all, I mentioned uh, those two players, but let's just uh, forget about those guys and talk about how good Aaron Rodgers is uh, as a quarterback. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, if you have, and that's the thing, like even this year coming in, all this talk about like, oh, like, you know, regression is going to hit Adam so hard. You know, that's actually the same exact narrative that people were saying, and I'm not comparing the players, but I'm comparing the context. The same exact thing that people were saying about Jordy Nelson after that first 14 touchdown year where he had like, was it, like 99 targets and 14 touchdowns. And I guess you just said it best. Like it doesn't really. I, I'm not as concerned about the player as I am about if Aaron Rodgers likes them. <laughs> like if Aaron Rodgers has you on your group text, I'm I'm in. You know, if you're getting 20% of Aaron Rodgers' attention, you're going to be great. Um, Nelson also doesn't seem exactly at full speed. That could just be my amateur analysis. No, I think so. I think so. 
But I, and you know his target rate is a little bit lower. But I just also think his depth of targets a lot lower. He's feasting off touchdowns, obviously. But Adams has the second most touchdowns in the NFL receiving touchdowns since the start of last season, only behind Nelson. So again, top heavy, awesome offense. Yeah, Adams is awesome, and it just seems like no one's. Maybe that's just in my own head, but it just seems like the market's never willing to really actually just appreciate this guy yeah no i think that's true and obviously now the con- two concussions uh one last year one this year that's obviously going to be part of his uh, value discussion moving forward but you know when you look at Aaron Rodgers and how efficient he is nearly one target from Rodgers is nearly worth two targets you know in most offenses he's just uh, so efficient and the targets do come uh, you know very very healthily for him and for Nelson Nelson you mentioned he just doesn't look 100% of himself he's been used a lot in the red zone he's kind of this is going to sound strange but he's kind of turning into uh maybe a little bit of an Anquan Bolden lit in his career that you just you can't really cover him when he gets in there he has that chemistry with Rodgers so you'll see him continue to be on the field but I think it might have been maybe into the second late second quarter last week when he got his first target so you know obviously uh, he's slowing down a little bit but still has that uh, fantasy value uh, running through the last couple of things here obviously the Cowboys did play well in that they didn't get the win Colby's late a big game four for th- 23 and two touchdowns Jason Witten eight for 61 so he kind of continues to have big weeks and lots of catches then disappears for two or three weeks but uh, you have to start him if he's uh, on your roster I think at the time as soon as Ezekiel Elliott had a nice game but failed to find the end zone 132 yards for him and uh, Des Bryant as well I was impressed with his performance five for 52 and a touchdown the Packers defense has improved a lot this season so uh, we'll see how the Cowboys do going forward two back-to-back losses for them as they head into their bye week Deshaun Watson continues to play well and uh, threw five touchdowns and uh, he just uh, really had a nice game against the Chiefs but I know we're talking about the uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins had three touchdowns in this but talking about the quarterbacks we have to touch on Alex Smith who's continuing to, towards a career year he threw over 300 yards for the second time this season and only the seventh time in his career so there's no doubt he's uh, pushing it downfield a lot lot more uh, Travis Kelsey missed the entire second half with a concussion he led the team though in receiving eight receptions for 96 yards so when he's on the field he's obviously Smith's go-to guy Kareem Hunt once again over the 100 rushing yard mark that kind of looks to be his floor as we move forward and uh, Chris Conlet wide receiver tore his Achilles or ruptured his Achilles against the Texans so that's obviously him done for the year so looking at this one Alex Smith uh, how impressed have you been with how he's played this season and then obviously Hunt uh, we call this a down game for him 100 116 rushing yards I mean this is kind of stuff that fantasy seasons are made of if you were willing to trust Smith then you've you've had an awesome return um you know obviously Hunt like people were in on him and this it's just been the kind of stuff that fantasy glory is made of like it's the kind of stuff that years from now you'll be like I had Hunt that season you know um I I still think about getting Aaron Foster in 2010 and that first that first game he had three touchdowns I just was like this is so fun but Smith, what, we're talking about historic stuff going on here, right? Like Hunt is is on an historic pace, obviously. It, it, we'll see if it continues. It should. Like you said, his floor is pretty crazy. But Smith is is completing 76% of his passes. It's the highest completion percentage in the history of the NFL through five games. He's the only, you know, he's the only one other player, I think it was Brady, has had 11 touchdown passes and no interceptions to start a season, you know. So it's just been an awesome run. But, you know, what is in, interesting to me is that regression will, of course, hit at some point, because the big play rate they have is amazing. But at the same time, he's leading the NFL in air yards per target. Like after week one, when they were airing it out, it was kind of like the, the 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 Pat Mahomes jokes that he was being like kind of like there was a fire on his back. But it just seems like now the playbook's just a little bit different, and they're running that they're running that RPO. To be honest with you, I'm gonna pull, pull, reveal how old I am. I used to you know 
when I used to watch him at, at Utah with with uh, Urban Meyer, it looks like they're incorporating more of that playbook into it in, the, in terms of the RPO stuff and getting him out of the pocket and letting him go deep. So I think it's inter- interesting because it's revealing – I don't think Smith changed that much as a player as much as like kind of what they're allowing him to do. So, no, he's not a high-ceiling guy every week. I, I don't know if this is always going to sustain, but it's almost like we have to just forget what we think sometimes and just let what's happening happen. Yeah, I play in quite a few two-quarterback leagues, and Alex Smith is always the player, you know, when you're drafting that you don't want to mess out on Alex Smith. You want to make sure he's the low point. You don't want any quarterbacks after him. And this season, I noticed even when uh, after the draft, Mahomes was picked up. A lot of people were kind of like, "Oh, you know, is he could he lose his job during the season? What's going to happen there?" So you know, he's obviously uh, come in and he's just uh, having a phenomenal season. And I I like to mention this as often as I can. Andy Reid is. Uh, you know, if you're just a casual fan, you probably think Andy Reid's uh, no good at coaching football. But he, in my opinion, is probably in the top three coaches in the NFL. He's oh, you know, sure. right up there. But he doesn't get it. You don't hear that talked about too often. So hopefully he gets that respect as the season goes on. Because the option, uh, the, you mentioned there, the run-pass options, you you know, the, the kind of schemes that he's running, the, just the little uh, movements, the subtle movements, you know, whether it's a wide receiver coming on a jet sweep who it's faked off to that it opens up the running game. He just seems to be able to just call plays at the right time to be able to open things up. His two-minute drives will always be a problem for him. But exactly. uh, outside of that, he's pretty much done a phenomenal phenomenal job since he went to the Chiefs you know that I think I think actually since he went to the Chiefs they may have won the most games in the NFL over that time I I could be corrected on that but he's really up there at this moment in time and uh, obviously that's going to take us around to the end of this week's show and uh, for the listeners uh, you can follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy or underscore Jimmy McCormick that's right Jimmy it is, yeah. Uh, the, the, the actual at Jimmy McCormick tweeted once in like 2009, so, so I had uh, to go underscore. Yeah. So obviously, <laughs> anyone with an underscore, there's always the, the the name behind it or the reason behind it. But uh, you always you have to go and get that Jimmy McCormick. You couldn't have was Jim McCormick gone as well. They're all gone. Jim McCormick, I think, is like a motivational uh, uh, writer in New Orleans. So we've kind of we've been battling for for like URLs for years. So yeah, it's just it's just uh, very very tough. And uh, obviously, I mentioned the, the AFC projections. You can get those all on ESPN. And of course, if you're following that Twitter handle, you get all the great information that Jimmy B's putting out. And a lot of fun conversations go on there too. At that Twitter handle, I like to to keep checking that out and like to see it appearing on my stream. And obviously, as well, uh, the streaming D. Uh, projections and that that come out each and every Tuesday. What the the defenses? Maybe we'll just give it one second here as we finish up. Is there any defense you think this week that maybe it will be poor rather than good? And you think that maybe people should be targeting to get players in the lineups? Maybe if it's DFS to to face off and uh, hit and try and crush crush a defense. To go against, you're saying like yeah. what are the what are the defenses that we should attack? I mean. I mean, Cleveland's giving up, you know, a touchdown on 25% of, of opposing targets. But, you know, I'm actually interested uh, in DFS. I'm all about like Jermaine Curse and, 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 and Josh McCown. Of course, there's risk, but like the, the Patriots are the first team in NFL history to give up 300 yards to, to every passer in five straight weeks. Like, the, and I see, I don't think it's a scheme thing. Like, I think it's a personnel thing, too. Like, they're slow up front. Like the, the, they don't they're, get to the edge. Their linebackers are very, very slow. That's a real. That's problem. what it is. Yeah. yeah. So I think you could beat them up, and I think actually, I mean, it's a shame that 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 Powell looks like he's going to be out. But you know, hey, uh, the way you win these tournaments, or you not win, but you, the way you scale up and actually cash, I think, is being you know willing to take on a guy on the Jets, even though you're saying to yourself like, I cannot do this. But 
you know, diversify your shares. I think that's one. And on the good side, I think a low ownership defense coming in obviously would just be, you know, Washington. They have they have some really good pass rushers, Preston Smith and Kerrigan. And, you know, I think it, it's a better personnel defense than I think we've given it credit for. They're bad at safety. But, you know, I think the Niners have in their last 10 East Coast or nine East Coast games since 2015 are 0-9 and have lost those games by an average of 15.9 points. So it could be fun. Yeah, and with uh, you mentioned, any team that uh, is crossing the country or going into different time zones playing earlier than they're used to, playing later than they're used to, I, I don't think people put enough. You know, if you're uh, particularly if you're betting on the NFL, that's something that is a key uh, trend that people talk about each and every week. But it's something that's only recently. I've noticed this season quite a bit coming up uh, and talk about fantasy football, and it's something that people should be uh, focusing on a little bit more. So maybe uh, dig into like the that. Cardinals this past week, right? Like yeah, the Cardinals exactly, the in Philly, one hundred percent. Yep. Carson Palmer, I mean, look, uh, you know, my back hurts, right? When I wake up, like Carson Palmer, we were asking him to play football at 10 a.m. Yeah, that, I couldn't think of the game last week that I was thinking of, but that was one that was, you know, just painfully obvious. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I don't think we think about the human element of travel enough and, and, and whatnot, but also just, yeah, it just throws you off. And, and I think another factor, too, is teams off a of bye are usually really productive, and it also dips ownership rates so i think the redskins are actually in a pretty good position here yeah i like the redskins this week uh, both offensively and defensively so let's hope that play works out for us both uh, as we head into week six <laughs> it's crazy it's week six already but make sure you're following jimmy on twitter at underscore jimmy mccormick uh, follow me on twitter at overtime ireland uh, check out that nfl europe shop that i mentioned it is europe.nflshop.com the code is oti10 save 10 percent on all your orders and until i'm back next week with another show of course have a good one Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.